0: I want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. Uh, my name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, um, signing tour, all that good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website and hit on moneymatterstoptips.com. Click on become an author to apply. I'm really excited to have Kurt Cuscino on the line today. He is the founder and CEO of Hype Life Brands. Uh, Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, I'm really excited to talk more about your agency. I see your um, brand development and marketing agency um, really working with disruptive startups and lifestyle brands. I want to get more into what that is all about. But before we do that, let's um, start with your background. How did you get started and inspired as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, um, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in actually in the Midwest in Kansas City, Missouri, and I grew up an only child. And I had a a very hardworking father and, you know, education wasn't sort of an option for me. Um, It was just like, this is what you're going to do. And I I think my left and right brain sort of uh, way of thinking or systems thinking kind of grew out of just being an only child and also being taught the value of hard work and what a finished job looks like. And I've had a lot of creative juices and creative energy and still do. Um, but I had a lot of creative uses at that time, and so I couldn't there was to me like carving my own path was just the way that it had to be like right? so the the idea of like when I chose to be an entrepreneur almost doesn't really exist to me, it's like it's in my DNA, and there is, there is no other way you know and I, and I really believe that most entrepreneurs that are true entrepreneurs have that same feeling, you know there isn't a you know, almost like there's no safety net. It's just I, I am going to do this and I have this vision and I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, that started at a very small level for me. I had a, a, a mowing business when I was probably 13, um, 13, 14, because I wanted to work and earn money and I knew I had a service of value. And, and actually before that, um, a lot of my clients know this, but like I tell the story about how even before that, I was making these greeting cards uh, like back in the day when you could print off, um, if you remember, like butterfly paper with the little punchy mm-hmm. hole things on the side. So I was actually making greeting cards on a like a TRS-80 computer, monochrome screen, and I'd sell them to like my family, my grandma. You know, so I was like making uh, different greeting cards and friends and family would buy, it. you know, a little, little cottage industry, if you will, probably when I was like, I don't know, somewhere between ten and thirteen, I think I was doing that, and then the mowing business, and then I got really into music, and so I was involved. I basically started a record label, handling all the packaging design. Uh, Essentially, at that time, I wouldn't have called it this, but I was basically doing brand development and handling brand and creative direction around bands and and electronic acts that I was involved with or uh, that I was usually in. Um, and eventually I brought on other bands like my friends and pushed them to college radio and, and all that. So I've always had a, sort of the systems view of things. And I've also always had that ability to see like this could be of value to someone and I'm the one to really make it happen. I think that's where that entrepreneurial, you know, bug maybe you're asking about like where that
0: roots from is sort of that perspective of the world and how I grew up. No, that's great, and I and I, I can definitely relate. Being an only child, uh, I've been asked that same question. I'm like, I think I was mm-hmm. born into it. When you're an only child, you're just living your life. You don't really have yeah, to, you have a, you don't yeah, really you have, have a lot anybody, to benchmark off of anybody else. You don't have an older brother or sister doing anything else. So you're just like, well, why did but, I have that business? Because I just wanted something to do, and why did my friends follow? Probably because I had more time to think about the business and to actually do it, and they were busy worrying about their brothers and sisters trying to get a seat at the table or attention for us we were just like all right what's the next adventure i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly like you have like nothing
1: but blue sky time is uh, the way that i put it and if you have a a creative bone in your body you do you do so much with that time um and then you know the advent of computing and tech you know I, i grew up on that that sort of internet and digital curve. So, and my dad was a engineer turned software engineer, and so he was like, "Hey, here's a here's a book about basic programming. Why don't you do this over the summer, you know? Or here's a robot kit to make like." And, and I was into it, you know. So I am starting yeah. to build things and like programming. Huh? Okay, this is what my dad does. Okay, I see. Oh, I can tell the computer to do stuff for me. That's interesting. Um, and then I have this like very creative like art, design background very much like, I mean, from the earliest I was listening to and, and studying design and artists and creators and creatives and, and really like thought leaders in music and arts and entertainment, like across the globe from a very young age. I mean, I was like buying some pretty heady design books and going to, I remember going to like, uh, geez, what's that called? B. Dalton booksellers and like looking mm-hmm. at the all the new, uh, you probably won't. This might be out of your wheelhouse, but like all the old like Phaedon books, P-H-A-I-O or D O N, Phaedon. Uh-huh. They would always put out these like crazy, like the really heavy design book that's like ridiculously big and it's wrapped in plastic, like you're not supposed to look at it at the at the bookstore and it's like fifty dollars. Like that's the stuff I was into. So all of that was sort of feeding into this uh, typhoon of creativity and entrepreneurship and just the ability to build and create things out of literally nothing, you know? And, and to your point, I see that with my, I have two little boys, a four-year-old and a almost, almost well, like four yesterday and two soon. So two little boys. And yeah, the little guy, it's all he can do to keep up with his brother. Like whatever his brother's wanting to do, like that's what he's focused on. And you and I grew up as only children. It's a different dynamic, you know. It's Like you have nothing but time. Yeah, man, no, I, I and I really get it. So one yeah,
0: lesson. So. so one lesson that um, I think that we have that maybe some others listening don't is let's talk about um, failure and about just kind of moving mm-hmm. on because I think we have a different view on it. Because my guess is you're at least twenty businesses in, and none of them that you know you didn't take past a certain point you don't really look at it as a failure.
1: No, I think, you know, I often tell our clients uh, with Hype Life Brands, like when we're talking early on, it's like, look, you know, business is about a series of experiments. That's what I believe, especially when you're talking about startups and starting your own business and being an entrepreneur. You know, if you go read the, the biography of Richard Branson and you think, oh, gosh, Richard Branson, you know, a guy's got his own island and Virgin, you know, has been sprayed on every different, type of product and brand and a record label and an airline and I don't know what he's doing you know the last Galac, version galactic but he has a lot of failures up leading up to that point and people don't realize that you know so that's part of being an entrepreneur is not yeah right not seeing it as a failure but a learning lesson like what works there you know like I I started a Back in the day, I had a custom snowboard brand, um, and my agency took on a lot of the the work, of course, naturally, because why wouldn't I have my team work on it? Um, And it became profitable, but I learned a valuable lesson about supply chain that I had never really dealt with before. So, you know, I had a single point of failure, and, and we got in the black, and we got, you know, built the brand, launched it. Got boards in the uh, Winter Olympic commercials for AFLAC. And it was like an agency called us and they ordered like 30 boards. I mean, they went in the black like crazy. But eventually, my main board shaper, uh, which is a company in the US, which was something I really wanted to have a US based board shaper, was to put a of, like tech in the board itself if uh, you're using bamboo. And they decided they didn't want to do smaller run production anymore. They just wanted to do beer boards, you know, so Budweiser called them and they want 500 boards. They would rather do that, which I totally understand from a business perspective. However, I hadn't really done, dealt with manufacturing like that at that, in that such a specialized niche. So I learned that, you know, you got to have a backup for that because once they were out, we were done. Like that was it. You know, and imagine if that had been a, to me, it was like, got in, got out, you know, got out, got made a little profit, cool, learned some lessons. But like, I mm-hmm. learned a lesson there. So that informs the next time that I'm probably not going to do that again personally, but sure. in the future and helping our clients, we can help them with things like that. So, yeah, the idea that there's no such thing as failure, I agree with that idea. I think it's just, you got to be willing to take that risk. And if you're an entrepreneur, that risk is not even, almost not even really a risk. It's just, it has to be that way. That's what you're going to do, period. Uh, let's
0: talk, let's uh, talk a little bit more about what you're doing now. I'm um, founder and CEO Ooh. over at Hype Life, Hype Life Brands. Uh, so what kind of clients do you help and how are you helping them?
1: We typically work with B2C lifestyle brands. They're usually early stage startups. And by early stage, I mean, Oftentimes all the way back to the beginning, the idea, the entrepreneur, the founder that got this idea, the seed of the idea, there may not be a name, a tagline, a website, a logo, all that stuff. There's a lot more that goes to it than websites and logos, but you know, we often get contacted and we have all that blue sky running room to work with. that's the best place to be. So we will work alongside as a strategic partner with those clients. and basically, when it comes to building business-to-consumer, B2C lifestyle startups that ideally are disruptive towards positive change, um, we're able to work with that client and work rapidly um, to build that new brand, that new idea, and take it from idea to strategy to, you know, market, go-to, go-to-market plan to look and feel, build out the digital launch it, and start growing it towards customer traction all through essentially our methodology that's been you know, perfected over almost 20 years. I started the agency in 2001, so almost 20 years, and basically do all this through disciplined capital deployment and help founders avoid the trap of you know, trying to piecemeal things together, an entrepreneur trying to piecemeal it together, and what ends up happening, and we have clients that can speak to this, they end up wasting six figures worth of money trying to do it themselves. And instead, we can help them navigate all this terrain and do it efficiently and without any of those failure points. So, and just the same, uh, we've been tapped by, we've worked with bigger companies who are launching new products, new brands, new offshoots, new platforms. um, And they they contact us because of our depth of uh, expertise in the realm of Creating brands that connect with millennials because millennials, and I'm, I'm kind of an elder millennial myself, are one of the most difficult and mercurial and very different from any prior generation. There's never been such a gap like we have today between millennials and everyone before them that a lot of marketers and brand managers and advertisers and all these people that want to build their business, build their consumer. Facing this brand it's it's tough to know how to connect with this generation so we help bridge that gap as well
0: what do you find some and I'm sure you know this answer varies but I know working with um, a, a certain population of clients you know you normally don't notice trends what do you find um, are some of the trends and mistakes that people are making out there today in their startups
1: um, I think some of the trends that we hear are <laughs> we went out and we, we spent some money and and we did we use facebook and we spent hundreds maybe thousands whatever but you know people not really looking at the metrics of what they're doing and when we kind of dig into that a little bit with them and we say hey yeah but who's who's your actual unique buying tribe you know and a lot of times the answer is vague or it's kind of broad and they don't really they don't really know but that's what we believe informs what the marketing plan is and really the base level brand strategy and marketing strategy of you got to define who you're going after and I know maybe it sounds like oh yeah everybody's going to hear this and say oh yeah well yeah of course but no like really define it so that you know where the unique buying tribes are who they are how they overlap how they interact because when it comes to millennials just one of many facets I mean they're very tribal and it's kind of a weird mix, but it's why social media is what it is now. So it's sort of this digital tribal behavior, and that's why things can go. You know, you see these articles coming out about how brand, brands can be killed by millennials. Well, that's because they all communicate very quickly. Like my, One of the guys who used to work for me actually sent me a movie trailer for something on Amazon Prime that i have literally never heard of, and I have no idea why Amazon didn't target me. And I sent it to three of my friends, you know? So it wasn't an ad. It wasn't a banner ad. But, like, tribally speaking, I spread that, and now those three friends might tell three more friends. And this is how millennials can, in fact, make or break a brand when you have enough scale at play. But you'll never get there if you're making mistakes like ad hoc spending on Facebook just because you use Facebook or you like Facebook, or you think that's what you're supposed to do. Same thing with people doing SEO. It's like they don't really know why they're spending money on SEO or they're spending money on Instagram advertising. It might not even be where their your buying tribes are. And, and SEO is something you have to be have it in the proper place in the mix. And a lot of times we say, look, like you can see far more ROI implementing something like a PPC strategy, and, and we handle all that. For them. but. That's a, that's a big mistake, I think, is spending money on platforms like Facebook that are well known to at least people like our team. That Facebook, uh, millennials have been leaving Facebook in droves for the last year. You know, they're not even there anymore. And if we look at a brand and say, but your audience is almost predominantly millennials, there's 85 million of them, and we've got to break it down to the segments that you're after that you need to be targeting, that we will target on your behalf. They're all over here on these other three platforms, you know. So I think that mistake of, of aiming and, and shouting and spending ad and marketing dollars in the wrong directions is probably the number one, you know, mistake that we see and that we hope to be involved early enough in the process to correct, course correct alongside, you know, the entrepreneurs
0: rather than see them drive their idea into the ditch. That's great. And if, um, so if somebody's listening to this right now, and if they want to um, talk to you more or your team more, Kurt, what's the best way for them to get a hold of HypeLife Brands?
1: Uh, you can go to HypeLifeBrands.com. It's H-Y-P-E-L-I-F-E Brands.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn, Kurt, C-U-R-T. Last name is C-U-S, as in Sam, C-I-N-O. Uh, you can also just email me directly at C-U-R-T at and we'll go from there, and we'd love to start a conversation with anybody looking to take their idea from just an idea and build it and take it to market. That's what we love to do.
0: Awesome, Kurt. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your tips with my audience. And to everyone listening, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters out there. Really appreciate it. And uh, Kurt, have a great day. Thank you again.